I think as humans, we always want more. And it's like a bottomless pit. Once you get somewhere, you always want to go bigger. You always want to do more. How can we push the limits? And I think that goes for anybody. Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to Brown People We Know, an interview show where we explore the shared experiences and non-traditional paths of the South Asian American community. My guest this week is Ravi Badriraju, a billboard charting musician and dentist. Ravi is a former guitarist on the death metal band Job for a Cowboy. He was with the band through three albums slash EPs, including Genesis, which debuted at number 54 on the Billboard chart. Rather than heading straight to college, Ravi was touring the world at 18, but he did go back. Today, Ravi is out in Arizona working as a dentist with Sonoran Sky Dental. I guess the fascination for metal instruments never faded. We talked about his transition from world tour to college and about starting college in his 20s. Of course, I had to ask about breaking the news to his dad. We talked about the creative process, what it was like playing to thousands, and how the things that have given him a rush have changed over time. And we talked about Arizona, what it was like growing up there and why he went back. Without further ado, Ravi Badriraju, welcome to Brown People We Know. With COVID, I was kind of expecting that maybe you grew the long hair out again. <laughs> I'm actually losing my hair, so that's the problem. I used to have long hair back in the day, but now it's hard to even keep what's on my head. Did that get cut immediately after you left the band? Uh, no, I actually grew up my hair in dental school and also in college, too. Again, I, I, I tried to relive the dream again, and I failed. It started to look like a mullet during a dental school, so I, I needed to get rid of it before I graduated. <laughs> Those weren't in vogue anymore. <laughs> exactly. So I just wanted to start at the beginning. You grew up in Glendale, Arizona, right? Not too far from Phoenix. Yep. What was that like? I've, I've been to Arizona before. It's like a very spiritual, nature-y place. <laughs> So Glendale, Arizona is just like a suburb. You know, it's a beautiful suburb. I love it out here. I, I actually moved to Scottsdale last year, but then I moved back to Glendale because I just missed it that much. Yeah, Glendale is a beautiful place, you know, beautiful city, great people here too as well. Everybody's so friendly too as well. And uh, this is actually where like the uh, dental school was. Midwestern was here. It's beautiful out here. Did you have like a lot of South Asian friends or culture and, or any of those types of things around you? Yeah, so like my parents moved here in 1982, and then my dad went through the phone book and just found some Indians. Yeah, so we have a huge Indian community out here. Like, it's huge. You know, so each weekend, we would have to go for these Indian parties every weekend. You know, I, I felt like we're, we're always spending time with them. And uh, so yeah, so I grew up in a very big Indian community, and these people would have kids, and then we would just grow up together. And then now these people are having kids. So it's, it's kind of a, a generational thing out here. I'm guessing that if they're taking you to these Indian parties, they really wanted you to like retain Indian culture and they're probably a bit more on the traditional side. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and uh, at the same time, though, they also wanted to be American, too, as well. You know, they wanted me to integrate within the American culture. Maybe I went a little bit too far with it. <laughs> you know, I didn't really take the traditional path or anything like that. So I have lots of questions about that. But before I even get to your rock star days, a lot of South Asian kids, they tend to listen to Bollywood music because the nostalgia or they, they go to like hip hop because it matches the immigrant struggle, right? The aspirational side. What sort of music were you listening to growing up? 
growing up, I liked rock music. So like my dad always showed me Pink Floyd, Santana, and uh, Metallica too as well. So that's where that started. But I would listen to all sorts of things like Bollywood, rap, but I, I gravitated towards rock music a little bit more. Was it like death metal first or the guitar first? It was it was guitar first. So I was really into pop punk. And uh, I started playing the guitar and I got sick of taking like the lessons because I just wanted to write my own music. I was, I was about 13 years old. So I basically self-taught myself how to play, you know. So I, I don't know if that's a good thing because I don't know if I was any good at the, the guitar. But I mean, <laughs> you turned out to be pretty great. <laughs> so sounds like it ended pretty well. What drew you to death metal? It's known to be like expressive and maybe even rebellious. Yeah, so like that's the funny thing is that I made friends in high school and these were all the guys that I started the band with. We first, like it just, our music just kept progressing to harder and harder and harder. And, and I don't know why, because if you meet all of us, we're very happy-go-lucky type of people. We're always smiling, but uh, yeah, like the music just kept getting harder and harder and more aggressive. I don't know like how we even progressed to that. And I would show my parents and they were like, what is this garbage? <laughs> I mean, like it's, you don't really know what's going on in the music, right? But then they they, they eventually started to like it though. I, I don't know how, but <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So are they like big death metal people today? Uh, definitely not. Definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> I was going to say, I wanted to meet this auntie and uncle that are just getting out to death metal. So it sounds like you kind of stumbled into the genre. You know, it's interesting to hear that it, kind of progressed your band was kind of known for pushing the boundaries of death metal but mm -hmm. when did you start thinking of it as a career did you initially enter into the space just as a hobby and stumbled into becoming a career musician we had a joke of a name like we never thought in a million years that it would work out like like we came up with a stupid <laughs> job for a cowboy i mean we don't even know how or like in, in a, we never thought in a million years that it would take off like that so back in the day, there was this thing called MySpace. MySpace is like defunct now. I don't think any, anybody uses it. But uh, since we were in high school, we could not really tour or anything like that. So each day when we would get home from school, we would just randomly add 100 people. And every day we would just keep adding, adding, adding. And, and, we, and we figured out some, at some point it has to bite, right? You know, and, and it was such a struggle because like we wanted to tour. We wanted to do all these things and play shows. And each weekend we would play a show out here in Arizona and during our spring breaks, we would schedule shows in California or Texas and drive out there. It was not until my senior year where I was like, wow, we're actually getting some pull here. Maybe I'd like to try this out and tour and see if we can do something with it and just see what happens for a few years and maybe go back to college. But up until that point, was it like the music or was it that you wanted the fame? What was kind of driving you through that period? Uh, the brotherhood. These were four of my best friends. You know, and, and we just understood each other so well. I didn't want to let them down and they didn't want to let me down, you know. So that's that was like the driving force. And we just worked so well together. Like we could just understand each other. Even writing, too. It was very fluid. We would communicate with each other. It was it was awesome, you know. So I, I had to learn these skills at a very young age, which is which is very difficult because being a teenager, there's all sorts of hormones and you're all over the place. But luckily, like we all got along very well. And that was like the main factor. And I also did want this band to be something that's every kid's dream is to be a rock star well not every kid but i mean it was always my dream like i, I always wanted, wanted to become a rock star but i just didn't see it because of uh, like the culture it's not really something that a lot of indian people <laughs> strive towards i guess 
And I think there are some kids that want to pursue art, but then they think about their parents and they're either like <laughs> afraid of the reaction or they just don't see, you know. I mean, first of all, how did they react when you told them that I'm not going to go to college, oh, I'm going to go tour? And then what give you the courage to even step into that? So I was just thinking about it. It was like my senior year. And uh, I still remember the exact day where I went to my dad and told him. And uh, I was I was like sweating bullets. I didn't know how he would react or anything like that. But at this point in time, he, he, he had noticed that we had all these labels flying out to Arizona and taking us out for like dinners and stuff like that. And big time labels too. And I, I just went into his room. He was, he was working on the computer. And I just asked him, I said like, hey, dad, I, I'd like to try this out for a few years and then maybe go back to college. And surprisingly, he was very supportive. You know, that's, that's the amazing thing is that I have very supportive parents. And without them, I, I don't think I would have been able to do anything at all. And they've also pushed me throughout my entire life to always do better, always try new things. And, uh, you know, so, so without them, I don't think this, any of this would have even happened. So what was that conversation like? Did you say you were going to defer college or were you thinking that you were going to be a rock star forever at that point? What was that? <laughs> I, I really had no idea. Being 18 years old, you think you, you're invincible and you can take on the whole world, right? So I didn't know where this band was going to go. I didn't know what I had in store for me. I knew eventually I'd like to go back to college and, and be in healthcare of some sort, but that just wasn't my time, I think. You know, it just wasn't my time for college because I, I am the type of guy that I never want to look back and say, what if or why didn't I try that? You know, and I think if I didn't do it, I'd be sitting here thinking, why, why didn't I give it a shot? Yeah, with all those MySpace followers, <laughs> it would have been a bummer, right? <laughs> yeah. So you were with the band through three albums or, or EPs, Formation, Doom, and Genesis. You talked about the brotherhood. So what did you enjoy more, being backstage with your band, writing the music, or actually being up on stage and performing for people? I like both of it. You know, like it's, it's, it's two separate worlds. Writing the song takes so much time. Like sometimes it would take us months to write one song because we would redo it, redo it again. Or it would take us five minutes. It just varies, you know, but the process of it is so beautiful. Just to see it start from nothing. Somebody comes up with one idea and then we all just jump on it and start going. And that was amazing. And then the flip side of that, getting on stage, I mean, there's no other feeling like that. Playing in front of thousands of people, it's, uh, or, or even like 10 people, there's no other feeling like that. There's like, uh, you like turn into an animal almost, you know, it's, it's just, it's unbelievable. I, I don't know if I'll ever find the same rush again in life. Two different sets of worlds there, but both beautiful and both amazing too. You know, I, I really enjoyed getting on stage and I also enjoyed writing too as well. You know, writing can be frustrating at times because you might hit a wall and then you're just sitting there for hours and you just can't come up with something. I imagine performing, you're much more in like a flow state. Although you have had some more rough concerts, right? There's one that you had in the UK where people were throwing like phones and beers at you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, did those moments like dissuade you? So so at this point, we were pretty successful. But like, uh, we were on tour with a Megadeth out there in the UK and people in the UK take their big bands very seriously. And they that's the only band they want to see. So and we were fairly popular out there too in the UK, but we were playing with Megadeth and nobody wanted to see us. And we every night, like, 
Then like the intro would start, we would just hear booze. <laughs> and we were like, great, this is going to be the longest hour set of our lives. But uh, we got through it, you know, and that actually made us tougher. We stuck by each other and it gives you thick skin. It gives you very thick skin. There's a, a bonus to that moment, which is you've mentioned Megadeth as an idol or like an influence to your music. What was it like playing with someone that you looked up to? Oh, that was unbelievable. We also did a, a U.S. tour with them. And it was it was crazy. Those shows were unbelievable. Like we've never played in front of that many people before. Yeah, that was the moment where we were like, "Wow, what are? How did we go from Glendale to here?" <laughs> you know? And uh, I, I just there's no words that could actually describe like how amazing that was. It was very humbling, very humbling. And Genesis made it to the Billboard 200, which. I'm guessing it's a little too late for me to say congrats, but congrats. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. The music in that album, a lot of people consider it to be very different from what was out at the time or very different from what you had put out before that. Were you nervous about putting it out? And and how did you feel when the accolade came in? So at first, uh, when we were going to go start to write the new album, we wanted to change our sound and we didn't know how people would react to it. Some people might like it, some people might hate it. But at the end of the day, it was our first debut album and our, our first uh, full length. So we said, like, we just want to write what we, we would like to write and just see what happens with it. It was a couple of months of us just grinding it out by some sort of grace. It, it worked out well. I think a lot of South Asians, even when they're experiencing success, for whatever reason, like the work ethic that was drilled into us when we were younger or the traditions or the community around us, even when we're doing well, we have this feeling sometimes that we're not doing enough. And I'm wondering if you ever experienced that in terms of like, you know, you're getting on the billboard charts, you're touring, but if you felt like you weren't doing enough. Mm -hmm. I think as humans, we always want more and it's like a bottomless pit. Once you get somewhere, you always want to go bigger. You always want to do more. How can we push the limits? And I think that goes for anybody. You know, as soon as that happened, I wanted to go on tour. I, like, at that point, we, we wanted to be the biggest band in the world. And we just kept wanting to tour and keep growing if, if we could, if people liked our music. How did you fight that feeling? Uh, you don't fight it. You kind of just embrace it. Just embrace it and go with it. Today, people breaking barriers or showing representation or really celebrated at that time. I don't think it was, it was made so public that you were South Asian, right? But like, did you ever feel isolated being in, in that space, being a South Asian or did it kind of give you a chip on your shoulder? Like, Hey, I'm doing this despite the fact that there's no one similar to me in that regard in this space. No, I just kind of embraced it. You know, like I, I didn't see myself as different. I mean, yeah, I, I grew up in a completely different culture than what most people in that realm were in. But I, I just kind of embraced it. I never felt like I was different or anything like that. I just felt like I was one of the guys, too. Around 2009, you make a pretty tough decision. I assume you like walked in and told the band all at once, maybe. But you decided that the touring lifestyle was a little too turbulent and decided to leave job for a cowboy. Was that a decision that you made in like a specific moment? Or was it something that you'd been mulling over for a while? I was thinking about it for several months, you know, because I was having talks with my parents. And they were like, Yeah, we would like you to eventually go back to school. They're like, you've been doing it for three years. And I thought to myself, I was like, you know what, like, maybe it's time, you know, maybe it's time. Maybe these guys need someone else that can carry on the torch. We were in, in walking Germany. 
this was my final show. It's on YouTube too. There was like 150,000 people. And that moment I was like, I don't know if I want to leave, you know, like this is, this is amazing. You know, and then we got back to Phoenix and then I was thinking about it for a few days and then I called the guys uh, together and I think they all kind of had a feeling too. And uh, I just told them that was, that was a very tough decision to make. It's like, I, I broke up the brotherhood a little bit, which sucked. You know, it was, it was a terrible feeling, but in the long run of things, I think things were better for them. I mean, those guys got closer after that too. And a few people had left the band prior, right? Like Andrew Arcurio and Andy Risdom. Did you call those people up and, and ask them what it was like life after the band? <laughs> no, no, I still speak to them even to this day. And uh, they're doing well too. They're doing very well for themselves. And I didn't call them or anything. Uh, a week later, I started ASU, which was completely different than the lifestyle I was used to at the time. And I just went for it. That was it. So can you tell me more about that? Because I imagine you're on stage, you're kind of partying, and you have this very fast-paced lifestyle. And then suddenly you're like, boom, you're in college. What was that <laughs> transition like? Oh, it was interesting because the first day in college, in like my Gen Chem class, we all had to go around and say like where we came from. Like, like it, was, it was a class of like 18 or something like that. And when it came to me, I was like, well, I was in Germany last week. I used to be in a band, a touring band, and now I'm, I'm here. And uh, that's the thing that I've, I've always been able to, uh, what's the right word, uh, blend in myself and get into like the groove of things, even if it's a change of lifestyles. But it was completely 180 transition, you know. I'm going on stage one day and then I'm, I'm in the book studying general chemistry and all this physics and everything like that and spending hours doing that. So it was, it was definitely a change. But the same aspects that I had while I was playing in a band, I brought those into my uh, schooling too as well. You know, I, I always wanted to be the best. I always wanted to uh, do well in school. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm a very competitive person at, at heart. That's cool to hear and I, I want to touch more on that about like the similarities between being in a band and going into dentistry. But before that, I'm wondering, so you're at that point, probably around 23-ish, you're probably older than the rest of your classmates. Did that bother you at all? I know a lot of people in their 20s were worried about like the timeline, right? Like when people are getting things done. Was that a rough transition? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's always... Uh tough because you're just like oh i'm the old guy and then then you start thinking some nights when you're by yourself you're like well i'll be done by the time i'm like 30 something and they're like but you just have to take it day by day and, and i always would always have to stop myself and say okay let's just take it day by day and just see where this goes by doing like the day by day mentality it just kind of keeps you at, at at ease because eight years or like 10 years of schooling is <laughs> is a long time you know and and if you're in year one you're like oh gosh you're like i've got a long way to go and I read somewhere that when you told the band that you wanted to go back to school, you mentioned that you wanted to study cardiology. I don't know if that's true, but when you decided to leave the band, did you feel like you had things mapped out or were you just like college is the next step and we'll kind of go from there? I felt like college was the next step. I knew I wanted to work in healthcare. I just didn't know exactly what I wanted to be, though. And then I knew I had to get these prereqs out of the way. And I figured along the way, I would figure it out. You know, I've always been the guy that if I don't know what's going on today, I'll figure it out ASAP. Yeah, I guess that kind of goes back to being 18, going to your dad and saying like, hey, I'm going to try this thing out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You alluded to all of this earlier, but Job for a Cowboy was kind of an early adopter of social media. 
the MySpace, the YouTube video with SpongeBob, the SpongeBob YouTube video. <laughs> I'm I'm just trying to draw parallels here. I'm seeing like you need social media to promote a band, you need social media to promote a private practice. Any other parallels between dentistry and being in a band? So the thing that I, I, I can see that's a huge comparison is that one thing I always loved was talking to people. I've always loved meeting new people. And that was the thing about touring is that you meet so many different peoples from all walks of life. And that's what I do on a, on a daily basis too. I, I take pride in getting to know my patients, spending time with them and really establishing that trust. That's what you do with fans too. Like they, they trust you and you trust them too. I mean, like without them, there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing. And without patience, there's absolutely nothing. So that's that's the biggest thing I, I can see. It's not so much uh, the hand skills or anything like that of playing guitar and versus doing dentistry, but it's just the people involved. With music, you're bringing a certain type of joy to people, right? Almost like a spiritual might not be the right word, but sort <laughs> of like a spiritual joy to them. And with dentistry, I think a big part of that is helping people's body image and building their confidence and that type of thing. Do you find one more rewarding than the other? No, not necessarily. Like, they're both different. I absolutely love dentistry. And that's the only thing I think about 24 hours a day. You know, I'm constantly thinking how I can help improve the patient care. That's like number one goal is how can I improve the patient experience? There's always rough days with anything. But the good days of a dentistry always make up for those rough days. You know, and I would I would not change anything in the world. You know, I, I, I love my job and I love what I do. And you mentioned that rush that you had up on stage. Do you ever miss that feeling? Yeah, of course. You know, I mean, you, you always uh, <laughs> I mean, you always miss getting in front of a lot of people and doing it. But I, I don't think any, anybody would want to see this old man on stage or anything like that nowadays. Definitely do miss it. And from time to time. But I, I still get the same rush doing a dentistry, too, to see, like, the final result. Like, if you're doing a cosmetic case, always seeing the final result, it's always kind of exciting and thrilling. Also exciting to see, like, your assistants and staff excited about it, too. Do you think that your transition was almost triggered by being older and kind of switching life stages? I think about myself when I was younger. I wanted the Ferraris and those types of things. And now when I get older, I'm like, 800 bucks for an oil change, parking in New York. <laughs> My priorities change, right? Did you kind of feel like that this whole transition happened with just getting older? I've noticed like the older I get, the more I value different things in life. Now I think about investments. When I was 18, I was just thinking about how do I get a cheesy gordita crunch from Taco Bell? Priorities definitely change with age and that goes for anybody, I think. Do you still think about retaining South Asian culture and is that something that's important to you? Oh, absolutely. You know, and eventually when I get married and have kids, I'd like to have them enjoy that culture too. I, I'd also like them to uh, see what I did, but I don't know if I, I could be as good of a parent as my parents were and allow my kid to go on tour. You know, that's, that's a daunting feeling. This is like the day and age before like cell phones and everything like that. So I don't know if I would do the same thing for my kid. Do people still recognize you today? Uh, no, not at all. Not at all. But back in the day, I would go to the mall and then we would go to Hot Topic and then we would have this huge poster board and maybe then they would. But even back then, like the singer was more recognizable than me. Everybody just thought I sold the merchandise. So you don't have kids yet, but you do have a niece, right? Yeah, a niece and a nephew. Do they know about your rocker days? And like, do they talk about that ever? Do they ask about that? 
Uh, sort of, you know, but not really, though. That's the beauty of it. They just see me as their cool uncle, or I hope cool uncle. I'm not sure if I'm that cool. But, yeah, so that's the beauty of it. Like, they're super innocent that they just see me as me, you know, not for anything else. You got to see a lot of the world at a very young age. Since 18, you were, like, touring, so you went to Australia, Canada, through Europe, different parts of the U.S. I find it striking that you returned back to Arizona and I'm wondering what it is about that place that is so special to you what brought you back you know what's funny is like all of the guys also came back to Arizona too like they they've seen it all and they've lived in few places but they all always came back to Arizona and that's the beauty about Arizona is that there's I feel like there's a lot of culture here people probably just associate with cactus and tumbleweeds but that's not it Arizona is just a beautiful place and I'm very close to my family too as well I just can't see myself going anywhere else. There's just something special about this place. How would you describe Arizona culture to someone that hasn't been there? There's lots of restaurants, lots of good people. It's just very family-oriented here. I really enjoy that. But, I mean, I, that's a good question. I, I don't know what the, the exact right answer to say here. I mean, I, I, I don't know how I describe it. Because my friends always, throughout a dental school, they would always, be, always say that they hate Glendale, and I would get offended. I'm like, this is the best place in the whole world. How can you say that about Glendale? And they're like, what's so great about it? And I, I just sit there. I'm like, well, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but to be fair... You were probably one of the few people in that dental class that actually saw the whole world. So mm-hmm. you probably had the authority to say that. I, I don't know if I could say that, but I, I was pretty much the only one from Glendale in my dental class. So, so I had a, had a lot of pride for it. Fair. There's rumors of Job for a Cowboy coming back together. Mm-hmm. Is that exciting to hear for you? Absolutely. I actually spoke to the singer Johnny this morning. He's a great vocalist in the death metal realm of things. And I would love to see him to continue music because the guy is very creative, very creative. Robbie, do you have any special projects that you're working on right now for music, for anything else? What's taking up your time these days? Uh, dentistry takes up 99% of my time. And I currently work for this company called uh, Sonoran Sky Dental out here in Phoenix. And the, yeah, dentistry is my complete life right now. That's all I do. That's all I think about. Do you still play on, in your free time? I actually picked up a guitar last week, and there was dust all over my, these fingers. There was dust all over. It, it, it felt like I had no idea what the heck I was doing. So if people want to follow along with you, is there any place that they could find you online? Yeah, if you just search for my name, I, I will gladly speak to you. We can just have a conversation about anything, anything you want. You know, it doesn't have to be about music or anything. It could be about dentistry. It could be about life. It could be about food or anything. But I just love to meet new people. Well, stay metal, Ravi. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, it's Suraj. Just wanted to take a moment to say thank you for reaching the end of the episode. Hope you enjoyed our conversation today. If you did, please take a moment to share with a friend or leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. If you want to follow along in between episodes, follow us on Instagram at BPWK Podcast. See you on the next episode. Stay well.